It's in you. You possess the power. Just go hard. I need some motivation. Motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. Dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Shining myself and I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah Sullivan and I'm your host. If you're new, this is the podcast and a show that helps you succeed in life. You know, it really helps you with leadership. It helps you with your mindset. It helps you with your fitness. Our overall goal here is to build you into a leader that wins. It's not just about you, though. I want to make that clear. This is about leading your team to victory. That can be your friends, your family, your coworkers. But in life, our mission is not just to build the individual, but it's to create this ripple effect in society that improves everything. And so that's what this show is about. So we're going to unpack strategies and tactics that are going to help you succeed at a higher level. And today's show, I'm really excited about because I I recently connected with somebody that uh, I think we all can relate to. How many of you guys out there, especially you men, have suffered from back pain, gaining weight, negative self-talk? I don't know, maybe just drifting in life and not having a purpose. I don't know, maybe mental weakness, you know, plum syndrome, poor little old me. How many of you guys have had challenges like that just that absolutely crippled you in life? I know there's been times in my life that those things have plagued me and burdened me and caused me to not be able to take the next step. And so today's guest that I'm bringing in has tackled all of those challenges and overcame them. Um, I'm going to read you a little bit about his bio so you have some understanding about who who we're bringing in and what you can gain from this. But I got a guy that, uh, you know, he, he was a little bit of, I called him earlier, I called him a little bit of a nerd turned uh, fitness enthusiast, but I can relate to that because I was I was a little bit of the same way is why I say that. But he was a systems engineer for like 21 years. And he turned entrepreneur. He's a man on a mission to help dads become the best version of themselves and really people. He's also a brown belt in jujitsu. So for all you martial arts nerds out there, guess what? We got a like-minded individual. He's been involved in various fitness modalities like, you know, CrossFit and even Go Ruck. If you guys have never done a Go Ruck challenge, those are very, very physically and mentally tough. He did one basically to raise money for the Green Beret Foundation. That definitely hit home for me. Um, He's also the founder of Energized Dad, which is an online mindset and health and fitness and business coaching company and mentorship program. And really what he does through Energized Dad is that he he shares his experience in leadership self-development, nutrition, fitness, and recovery with people all over the world. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to bring in today's guest, Mr. Eric Scott. What's up, dude? All right. Jeremiah, glad to be here. Thank you for the spectacular introduction. Yeah, bro. Thanks for taking the time out to come in, man. Dude, I got to ask this because it was, I think this was the last thing we talked about before you jumped on. You were lit on fire, right? Yeah. In my twenties, my stomach caught on fire trying to put the stomach fire out. My hands caught on fire. So I had 34 three degree burns. It was from a propane incident on a barbecue. There was a big leak during ignition. It, it hit my stomach. I didn't have a shirt on. So the, my entire stomach just engulfed in flames. And um, that was a bad day. <laughs> Bro, I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but I'm like, damn, it's like, holy hell. You said you were in your 20s? Yeah. And I was in a remote area in the Mojave Desert, living on top of a mountain with some friends, and um, obviously had to go seek some medical attention and live with family members for a while. But my family was too disgusted to help me change the bandages because when you take the bandage off my stomach, you can almost see my meat breathing. Uh, you know, I had to do self care. You know, I was in a controlled environment for a while in a good house in, in LA, but. 
yeah, just recovering from that was tough. And, you know, at, at the hospital, I remember them giving me some white cream and they said, well, this will really help you. And I was like, well, why? They said, well, this is what Michael Jackson, Jackson used. I was like, okay, well, you know, better helps. So how long did it take you to recover from that? Probably six months. And the scar stayed for quite a long time. And I would have shakes. My body would shake and treatable, just muscles would spasm. And wear. So what I did was put, I would take an aloe vera plant and freeze it. And I would just peel it back. I'd take it out of the freezer because your body took us higher, right? And just put the direct aloe vera on my hands and, and my stomach from the plant leaf. And that that worked miracles. That was better than the Michael Jackson cream. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're actually looking into your story. You're pretty big on not self-medicating, but like just doing your own research and being thorough and finding things that really work for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that comes from my systems engineering background. You don't go execute and spend tens of millions of dollars on a supercomputer without a time planner and a lot of testing and analysis. I seek out the best minds here in America and globally and listen and try to extract what I can for my own self-development, who else I can help around me and you know share information. But at some point, you got to apply it, right? Yeah. You know, you can soak up. There's so much information out there nowadays that you can get to relatively easy. And there's there's a swim lane for everybody um, in terms of the style of information, whatever issue you're after, and so forth. So you're like kind of a super nerd, and then you turned athlete or something, huh? Is that? <laughs> you know, I just I just got into computers, and then um, a long time ago, I was working in machine shops, developing offshore oil platforms blowout preventers basically and it keeps the pressure from the subsurface from blowing everything up and hydrocarbons come up it allows it to you know you disperse in any room matter and i was like you know i can't sit in a machine shop the rest of my life i'm gonna build their computers so i traded in steel toe boots for computers yeah and it wasn't easy um and you're in texas now right yep just right in houston we were at it Cool. Yeah. Houston, Houston's cool. I got friends down there. Um, I usually go out to Texas like periodically, say what's up to them and everything. I lived in Florida for a while, 2016 through 2019 in Satellite Beach. Patrick Air Force Base is right there. Yeah. Uh, so I used to go down to Miami once a month to train jiu-jitsu. It was North Miami Beach, so it wasn't, wasn't terror. It was a little more calmer, I guess you can say. Yeah. Than the South. Where do you train now? Here, outside of Houston, at a place called Hantu's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's all focused on self-defense to the Valente Brothers. The Valente Brothers are there in Miami, and they grew up with Elio Gracie and Brazil and kind of carried in all of that to those learnings. Yeah, man. It's good for the soul. And you're a brown belt, so you've been doing it a while. 12 years exactly. I moved academies several times, and when you yeah. kind of do that, you, your assessment, it doesn't necessarily start over, but you kind of lose a little bit of momentum because it's a different professor. Yeah. They, well, they're all, they, they judge you, right? They're like, they want to put you through the judgments and everything. Right. You know, Hoyce Gracie's got a great saying, he's, you know, the belt covers too much of your ass and you cover the rest. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Yeah. So you just joined up on Wes's group recently? You've been in for a little while or what? I've been on the basic, you know, the health and nutrition program for the three months. And then uh, the plan was to transition to the business coaching program, you know, to get myself dialed in and then, you know, learn a little bit more about 
the structure of the business and methodologies and whatnot. And then really just take my background in 28 plus years of fitness and 12 in jujitsu and what I've learned in leadership in, in America, corporations and well, hold on, let me back up. I didn't learn much about leadership yeah. in corporate America. I had to go study it, right? Through longer military leaders themselves. Yeah. I thought I would pull all that together, go for the online approach to coaching. A lot of it's mindset. People know what to do. They just don't do it. Or they need the guidance. They need a plan to follow. And someone, that, when they're falling off track a little bit, to say, look, you, this isn't acceptable. Yeah, yeah. and Or just to give them a perspective change on their situation. You know, like a lot of people, I think, don't. They're so used to thinking the way that they think that they can't get unstuck, right? It's like, but as soon as you have a different perspective, you can kind of change the way you're approaching your thing. And, and honestly, some people just don't know what to do with food. Yeah, it's true. I walked into the academy after being gone for seven years over here. And one of the guys I was training with is now a black belt. He's a professor. And I'm like, oh, man, you're kind of stocky. He's like, I'm actually fat. And I'm like, okay, well, he's like, I, what are you going to do? So we started talking. He's like, honestly, I don't know what to eat. I just, I see it and I eat it. it I call that the seafood diet. Well, dude, I want to unpack your story and uh, I want to make sure that I've covered, I want to kind of go 30,000 foot overview and then I want to go a little bit deeper. So, you know, I did your intro and I, we know, everybody knows that you, now they know that you were caught on fire at 20 and, you know, you were a systems engineer when you did big computers, but you're a brown belt and some of the other things we mentioned overall in your life. Like when you look at your life from the 30,000 foot overview, what are some of the, the wins that you pat yourself on the back for personally? And uh, would you mind sharing? Yeah, definitely. I think growing up in Southern California, my dad was a machinist, so he always had us outdoors, you know, doing things, engaging. I raced being like spikes. We, I learned with snow skiing at four years old. You know, that mental toughness started right away. It's cold when you're skiing. You know, you're five years old. You can't even ski. You start to gain balance. And I grew up skateboarding and hiking all over the mountains as well. And that just really led into going to various machine shops that my dad was working at. And I started just building stuff. And I would go home and take things apart. But, you know, at that young age, you can't really put it back together sometimes. Yeah. You know, that didn't work out as well. But, you know, I really early on got involved in ham radios and CV radios. I became an expert in that area and I was able to modify ham radios and bring them down to the CP or the CV frequency range and use amplifiers for those higher band scenarios for ham radios and really understand decibel gains and all of that. So I think when I look at the systems engineering aspect, that was embedded in me quite a long time ago. And just to understand how things work and make them better, right? Yeah. So that kind of goes back to me personally, how do I how do I make myself better? A lot of that's been through understanding nutrition. You know, if you look at it our minds are a supercomputer and the food you put in is equivalent to the software, right? So if your body's the hardware, the software is food, similar to having a supercar. If you put really low-grade pump gas in it, over time, it's going to foul up the engine, you're going to get a lot of carbon, you know, it's going to start to perform worse. Yeah. 
And the same thing happens with your bottom. That's very true. You've also gotten stem cell treatment, which I'm really interested in. So I, I know that ties into some of the back injuries that you've dealt with. Yeah, I want to get to that because I think that's going to be very, very valuable for everybody listening. So there's so much that I want to talk to you about. Everything from the mental toughness to recovery and treating yourself and put, what you're putting into your body and, and including the stem cell stuff that I just mentioned. But when you look at your entire life, you're kind of looking at your personal resume. What are you personally proud of that you've accomplished in your life? I would say... Being to where I'm at in corporate America without a degree, I went to technical school. I went to a one-year technical school at Southern Methodist University out of Dallas, Texas to study advanced science and engineering for computer technologies. And everyone I work around has multiple degrees, which is fine. In some cases, people have more degrees than the thermometer. I'll call PhDs in some cases. But yeah, I've been able to find the corporate ladder relatively efficiently without a degree. Because I'm able to execute. I'm able to understand, take requirements, disseminate them into an architecture, in this case for supercomputers, and go work with the stakeholders and the investors to help them understand, okay, you want to achieve a certain business goal, you need a supercomputer to do that. Talk to me about like climbing the corporate ladder. So what does it look like at the level that you've climbed to, the highest level? Like, Can you draw some contrast or give me a comparison so I have a frame of reference? Yeah, I started out as an application support engineer in oil and gas or EMP, which is upstream. Everything to do with the subsurface, modeling the subsurface to understand where the hydrocarbons are. And then I worked up to a director level at Samsung, where I was designing supercomputing clouds for electronic design automation, which is basically EDA. If you just look at the chip that's in your smartphone, that small little CPU is designed using EDA. Basically, my moves through corporate America have been through being on time every day, being reliable, right? Getting the work done that needs to be done in a timely manner and, and being reliable. And what does that mean? If I pull back, peel back the lean a little bit, it's about being a team player and understanding where people are coming from and addressing everybody's concerns and then bringing that together, compiling as part of a, a solution to go execute. Similar to planning a mission. Someone's got to lead that effort. Someone's got to pull in all the information from all the key contributors. And lastly, I would say, if I ever felt I was hitting a ceiling anywhere in corporate America, I moved to another company. I like and that. that's how I've climbed up the ladder in corporate America. Degrees open doors for you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's about your skill sets. That's what you're going to get paid most. I really like that mentality. I think that there's a lot of different type of people that listen to the show. Some people are in that. Some people are starting entrepreneurs or they're experienced entrepreneurs. But then there's a the person that's in the, um, like I was, that was in the military or a corporate environment. And they're just trying to do better and better and better and better and use that as a foundation, a stepping stone to get to the next thing. And it sounds like you really did that throughout your life. The jump that you made, when you say you're working with stakeholders, what level of people are you working with? Like, I don't know if there's a dollar amount of projects, like you're like you're managing millions of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars or, or what, but you, can you give me kind of some scope of the level of the work that you're doing now with the stakeholders so I understand that? Yeah, these programs are the tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay. And they're engaging executives at the VP to C-suite level. You know, prior to getting there, you know, you've got to get buy-ins from all of their organizational leadership too, right? You've got to create that, that synergy and a cohesive plan with all of the engineers across an organization. I think from that standpoint, once you get to those bigger level meetings where you're there to make a decision, 
right? It's a it's a go or no go, similar to yeah. any mission, right? Yeah, uh, it's very similar going. actually. But you've got to go in with a few different options, right? You can't just go with here. This is exactly what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. But sometimes you want a few different options. I would work with some guys that call it the Jedi mind trick. You place the not so ideal option at first. Yeah. It stops you in the middle. The worst option last. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah, but you also have to understand your leadership. What type of style are they used to? Are they used to? They want more detailed, informative information. Are they visual? You know, the arts and graphs kind of thing. And then also understanding there's time limitations to either reach a decision. Right? These people are really busy, so you've got to go in and have the backing you need across the organization uh, to be effective. And you know, yeah. these, these decisions that are in the tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars. They affect billions of dollars in revenue, right? So there is there's a consequence if you don't bring in the right level of information that a decision can be made because you've got to go back and do more work. And sometimes that happens, right? It's it's not the end of the program, but you know sometimes there might be a little more information. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me a lot of the work that I did over in Afghanistan you know, when I was on when I was working for NATO. I was in charge of a lot of different players. There was Australians. I mean, there was Americans. There was everything. There was British. And I mean, there's all different types of people that I was responsible for organizing and then getting them all together and put together a mission plan and then brief the boss so he could approve on it. And then we could just go. And you're basically doing the same type of thing. And everybody's busy and you're trying to get your mission approved so that it can take off. And I think that a lot of people listening to this are in a similar situation where they're either trying to propose an idea to their family or they got somebody at work, like they're, they are an officer and they're on staff and they're trying to get their project approved. I think a lot of people can relate to that to that message. So you basically what you said was you went from no college degree through that route and then you started climbing up and your strategy was you basically just worked as hard as you could to become the best you could. And as soon as there was a ceiling, you found another place to jump and then start climbing that. And you also mentioned that degrees would get you either paid, but I think you said relationships allow you to climb the ladder or something along those lines. Is that what you said? Yeah, degrees open doors. And I can tell you, I debriefed a, a VP at a very large tech company on why they didn't win our work. You know? yeah. He said, well, where's your degree from? He says, I don't remember. He's like, wait, hold on. I can't believe you're talking to me at this level. And not that I'm because I'm an executive, but I said, look, here's the thing. If you have a degree, don't stand behind it and hold it up. It doesn't matter. Stand in front of it. That's a credential that you earned and keep going. And yeah. that matters, right? And I think also, too, is having buy-in of the team. I'm known for giving everyone what I would say at the table, a voice. If you're in the room with me and we're working on something together, you're in there for a reason. So I, I want your thoughts and, and, and your opinions on stuff. Well, the, the topic of opening doors is so uh, such a powerful one because there's a lot of people out there that are searching for the next level. And the next level between where they're at and where they want to go, is, it requires them to be uncomfortable. Yes. But it also requires them to have the key to unlock the door to get there. I was actually just talking to my wife about this last night. We were laying in bed talking about life like we always do. And I was like, people don't understand that there are certain keys in life that if you have them, they open up doors. One of those keys is money. If you have money, you can open up this door and maybe you, you can go to an event 
that you you can shake a hand with somebody that could provide you an opportunity. Money's a tool. It's a key that could open a door. Also, not charisma, but yeah, charisma a little bit, but influence is another key that opens up a door, the, be, the ability to be able to speak to somebody and communicate what you want, but also relationships open doors, right? Like if I'm friends with somebody and they know somebody that could help me, that's another key that opens up the door. The degree is just a key that opens up a door, but again, it doesn't open up all doors, right? And so there's a lot of these different things in life that open up doors for you. What are the what are some of the things that you have found over the years that have helped you open up doors? You know, I'm just relentless when it comes to moving and accelerating my career. I'll go after anything that I want. Yeah. I know I can get it. I always I step up, right? When I'm moving across a new organization or to a new company, but I align it with my skills, right? So I know that there's going to be an interest in talking to me. I think, too, what, what people got to realize is building a network or a circle of influence. So you have a key circle of influence within a company that you might be in or an organization, but you need to build one external. Outside the four walls of any organization, you need to know more about what's going on out there in the world in your particular area of business. And one of the ways I've done that, and I've been able to influence in, in through some of my interviews, is I've gone out of steering communities. External steering committees that have a professional level of training or expertise that's known well in the industry that holds merit. In my case, it was the Linux Cluster Institute. We teach people how to build supercomputers. Yeah. Right? So I work with some of the brightest minds in America and some of the national labs, some of them DOD, DOE, and so forth. But this is where the government is their supercomputers. So I'm able to influence and say, look, when I'm at a company, I can not only build your supercomputer, but if I if we have a question, we run into something, I can make a phone call and talk to someone in another supercomputing center that's on a scale that is much higher than us. You know, so that that Rolodex, right? To be able to reach out and say, you know, you're not only hiring me, you're hiring all this firepower behind me. Man, I like that so much because it puts the value of relationships front of mind. Right. And I feel it sounds like you're huge on that with developing relationships across time and you use those to get into different doors. And you're probably even doing it now in business. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I, I continue to do it even in the online coaching sphere, but I'm leveraging what I've learned through corporate right? It's building the relationships. But when you build relationships, you can't take all the time. You gotta give. You know, and there's there's something around nurturing the relationships too, or staying in touch with people where you don't necessarily want to just ping someone because they're at a company that you want to be in and haven't reached out to for several years. Keep some sort of communication going every now and then. Maybe go meet, you know, or have a, a, some coffee or some lunch or understand if they're coming to a, a, a local event or maybe you're in town or something like that. So you gotta, you got to nurture and you, you've got to really focus on who's the circle of influence I wouldn't be around. Yeah. And let that perpetuate and expand your capabilities. How do you personally develop your relationships? Because I'm always looking to improve my way of nurturing relationships. I kind of just do it intuitively. If I think of somebody, I try to text them. Or if I'm eating food, I usually use food as a platform or a trigger to build a relationship. But do you have any processes that you personally go through to nurture relationships across time? Yeah, commonality. Do we have something in common? Is this a professional relationship? Is this a, you know, a relationship where maybe there's a new field I want to get into? And also just good humor, right? Because a lot yeah. of people, it's like they need to joke around. You know? Yeah. 
because life is so serious 24-7. And I think also, too, like I was saying, Jeremiah, is, is going back, emailing and, and, you know, say, hey, here I am. What's new with you? You know, maybe the LinkedIn sheet was updated or something along that line. You know, a friend of mine, former Green Beret, now he's, he's really, you know, got into AI and large language models. We keep in touch. I, you know, I said, look, man, you know, you're building these advanced software stacks for the government. You should learn what the basics of a supercomputer is because that's where these AI models run. And I said, here's some good information on how you go about a basic design of a supercomputer because you're going to be more in tune with the people in the room if you know a little bit about hardware, right? Yeah. So same way, maybe I'm really into weapons. I need to know some that. I need, I need to be a little more well-rounded. So I also look into how can we make myself more well-rounded and just not be, in, in this case, in corporate America, a, a hardware expert. Yeah. I like the way that you're building yourself and have built yourself. You know, I think a lot of people kind of blindly approach themselves in the world and they just try to get what they want from the world. And when I look at you, you've basically spent, from what I can tell, the last few decades figuring out how, not only how can you improve, but how can you improve relationships? How can you improve your health and fitness? How can you improve your, you just have this mindset of constant improvement is what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate the recognition there, and, and sometimes I don't even realize it, so it's good to talk to someone like you about this, but you know, it's easy to function as yourself and be really efficient as yourself, right? But how do you pull other people in, become a good team member, a good leader, and so forth, and it just, it comes down to communication. Yeah, communication with yourself and communication with others, right? Like, you know, you got into jujitsu and you're a brown belt in jujitsu. Like, people don't just stumble upon jujitsu. It's usually people that want to be better, and especially as they move through the ranks and they get up to brown belt. Like, you might get somebody that gets their blue belt because they're inspired to do jujitsu, but somebody that gets their brown belt and goes on and gets their black belt, they're really about self-improvement, self-mastery. You know, so I see that in you tremendously. It, not everybody is like that. You know that. And I, but I think everybody listening knows that. Like, how many people do you know when you talk to them, they're not analyzing how they can improve as a person in the world and increase their stock, their value so that they can get to the next level. They're just like clocking in and clocking out and just aimlessly drifting through through life. But I look at you kind of like you're constantly tearing yourself down and rebuilding yourself like you were as a kid. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's like when I talk to you, Eric. It's like this guy is like working and chipping away at the vehicle that he is across the leader that he is across time to kind of tweak and modify and make himself better. That's the vision that I have of you right now. I appreciate it. You know, maybe it's comparison to building a monument or a statue, right? You're always chipping away. Yeah. Just polishing and, and getting rid of the rough edges and, and whatnot. But people get stuck in their own ecosystem, right? And and part of that is because they don't know anything. But how do you how do you break out of that? You, you go work with people like you and your organization. You go listen to a couple of podcasts with maybe some leaders in their self-development industry. You know, you read a few books on military leadership. You kind of analyze what are the leaders where I work? How do they operate? How do they function? Do they make me feel good? Do I understand the mission? Am I able to make my own decisions? So I was really took what I saw as not good leadership. You can lead from the front, lead from the rear, but also everyone needs to understand the mission and have enough flexibility they can make their own decisions, right? Yeah. Detached command. I think people just go do something difficult for once. You know, put on a rucksack with 30, 40 pounds in it, 
try to cover a mile, you know, come back, you know, and work your way up, you know, hire a coach, you know, go do some sort of physical fitness, you know, start somewhere, you know, it could be a Metcon, it could be a Huntington's interval training session, it could be a job, or maybe someone's done all that and they're like, I'm not getting much out of it. Okay, well, pull back and look at nutrition a little bit yeah. and, you know, get involved or work or work with people that are doing better than you. That's what I've always learned. Yeah. And, you know, be a part of organizations that are, that are leading in charge. And here's some other things that I'm noticing about you as well. Like, like even if I go back to burning yourself, like or the accident that you got into at 20, start fixing that. Like I was a kid, as a kid, you were working on toys and, and building stuff. And then, you know, got into your twenties, you got lit on fire. You started repairing that. You got into your career. You figured out how to fix that essentially and climb the ladder. So you're constantly like tinkering and, and tweaking with the, the different components of your life and building towards something. What is it that you see yourself building towards? Like what's the grand piece that, that you're putting together inside of your mind? Is it just the best version of you or is it something that you have very specific in mind? I've been working on building the best version of me and then presenting my person to the world, it's going to really transition to helping the everyday American yeah, or anyone across the world that wants to make me. And, you know, and that could start from anywhere. It can start from, you know, getting up at 4.38, right? It can, it can start with designing a better approach to eating or training or, or reading books. Why is delivering the best version of you important to you personally? Well, I, I was to step back and say, you know, how have I woken up before five A's past 20 plus years or my corporate career? It's because I created consequences. I created consequences. If I didn't wake up before 5 a.m., that's just going to impact the rest of my day. Yeah, for sure. And it's potentially going to hurt my performance at the office and so forth or at the gym. I really try to dial in on specific areas that I think are going to help me in. Honestly, not all of them. Yeah. And you yeah. Know, just got to try different things and like, go back and forth. What's the driver? By why? Why are you like, what, what's, what is it? You want to deliver the best version of yourself to the world. And you have a, you're great at attacking your weaknesses and tweaking those. And you're great at self-awareness and figuring out what you need to fix. But it sounds like you want to help out America and you want to help out people. I'm trying to pull the thread on what's the, what's driving this man to build himself into the best version that he can and help others. What's the why here? I, I really want to help people reach their potential, right? In terms of everyday efficiency, understanding what they can truly do in lives. You know, for example, I used to work at pretty well-known government technology companies for the military. You know, I get there and, and on a Monday and people go, oh, we're riding up the elevator or the stairs and they're like, well, it's Monday. Can't stand this. You know? Oh, man. What are you talking about? It's like, That's the worst, dude. I hate the people that say that shit. Here we go with the downward spiral of, of the negative attitude, right? And you got to work with these people. Hey, so kind of what I would start out with was, well, you probably had a place to sleep last night, right? Yeah. With the roof over your head and you probably had breakfast and coffee. And before they even answer, I go forward and I say, well, we're all going to have lunch and dinner and have yeah. a place to come to. Like, in other words, what's the really, what's the problem? Yeah. You're living, breathing. Just how do you disperse that that negativity and spin it around into something positive? So I want to help people gain small wins. And through small wins, you start knocking down those brick walls. Yeah. And pretty soon those walls become shorter, right? And they're easier to climb. I think that's that's really what I'm at. 
Yeah, no, it makes sense. It sounds like a similar mission that I'm on. Like, I, I'm just about making the world a better place because I fucking hate it when I go into work and people are negative. I fucking hate it when people are like, oh my gosh, it's Monday. I don't really know why I'm here. It's like, bro, like, are you appreciative at all? I think that a lot of people get into business and they start working on themselves because it's like Gandhi said. He said, be the change that you want to see. And so we start working on us and we start working on our mindset. And really what we're trying to do is get ourselves to such a high level that we can turn around and we can influence the others that are behind us and fix the problem that we saw that got us on the track to begin with, right? The problem of negative thinking, the negative palm syndrome, poor little old me, case of the Mondays, all that shit that people just like get so caught up and there's just a higher quality of life that everybody could get if they stopped being victim to their excuses and they started taking more command of them and built themselves into the leader that they they know that they could be like yourself is doing right now. Yeah, and I think once you do that, you're a mirror, right? It's a self-reflection. People see that outwards, what you're projecting out and no one has to come and do what we do every morning, right? To, to get to these, these different places in life. It's important to drop the negativity and just say, I need to win. I need, I need to learn something different. This isn't working. But I, I do believe people, they have to be at a place in some point or some perspective that they're ready to make a change. Oh, for sure. Like a, the teacher appears when the student is ready. Like you can show people how to change all day, but if the, the student isn't ready, they won't ever do it. So attitude is very important to you. It sounds like growth is very important to you. I'm curious with things that if those have been important to you, have you struggled with those areas? Like what, what is it? What are the challenges that you've, you've had to go through through life? Like some areas that you've really struggled or had to overcome personally? Yeah. You know, if I was to go back, Early on in the teenage years, you know, my parents split up early. So I was out of Maryland pretty early. Um, I've been real close to being homeless. I've slept on friends' floors for years. You know, that just made me understand no one's coming to save. There's no QRF for your average American citizen, right? You're, you're on your own. You, good, you know, good acronym you used, by the way. You did a good job there with that one. Good, That was good. Solid. Keep going. Thanks. <laughs> but, you know, once I realized there's no one I can call, yeah. That's going to kind of save my ass. You've got to, you just got to get in there and do the work and, and be diligent, but nothing's going to be some success, right? You know, you can have to try different things and go for it. And then I would say, you know, moving, you know, into my professional career, I was held back quite a bit politically because I didn't have, and that fueled me more. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to. I'm just going to learn more than everybody knows, right? I'm going to go know more about a supercomputer than everybody in this organization. I'm going to know more about the software. I'm going to know more about the network. I'm going to know more about everyone in America that builds supercomputers. I'm going to go get on the steering committees. I'm going to do more than anyone inside of these four walls and this particular big, you know, $80 billion company can do. And then that's going to be undeniable. But I still got to know. I still was told, Frank, with the master's degree, as getting a promotion, I'm like, well, I and this work because you don't have a degree. I said, well, look at my work, look at the output I'm generating, yeah. and I had the company deliver this multi-billion-dollar asset. Frank, you give it, you give the recognition, Frank, and I said, well, okay, that's so that would just fuel me more to go do more somewhere else. So you've got to be willing to make a pivot. So many people want to get stuck in company. And say, well, that's all I want. I don't want to reach out. I don't want to go through the interview process. You've got to. 
I like the chip on the shoulder mentality too, because that can really fuel you as, as well. So it sounds like you've struggled. Basically, the fight is actually what's caused you to kind of propel to the heights that you're at. You know, the, the denial, the being told like you can't do it. You're probably the wrong guy to say that you can't do something. So it sounds like one of the challenges that you just said is like, list, like taking, trying to succeed when everybody's used to the traditional path. Uh, was an area. And so you just created your own path. What are some other challenges and struggles that you've you've had to deal with along the way? Just personal injuries, being injured, but still showing up every day, you know, not necessarily being accepted, going back to not having a degree, not being accepted into various, you know, I would say old kids clubs, right? In corporate America. Some of the other challenges will be, what do I do next? What path do I take next? How far do I go with this super continual career? And then, you know, most recently I've become a father. So now I have an eight-month-old daughter. So that's a different level of fuel on the fire. Yeah. And that that's a it's a nice lesson to have, right? But you know, that's that's why I kind of go in, okay, I've done all of this that I can for me and to create the best me. And now I will go help other dads across America and you know global footprint that we have out here i like challenges you know so i'm kind of looking for the challenge where i see this isn't it i like that man and you like i said fitness has been a very important part of your life and i I know you mentioned you lost some weight too right so you went lost 20 pounds you got your jujitsu brown belt you also had some back injuries so where do the back injuries come from are they separate than the fire incident or something else yeah tell me about those my 20s i got a call accident and um i just had trouble for a while and then just put myself under heavy weights for a long time where i was in the 20s you know with all the wrist wraps the knee wraps and you know kind of like the barbell bend and kind of just you know going too far not really understanding if you push yourself to an extreme level really young that can impact you later in life. You know, it's not talked about. I think make it difficult but doable. One of my stoical teaching approaches would always talk about in terms of the larger putting on body and physical things area. I would I would say the back problem stemmed from just years of fitness. And then when I moved to Florida, I got involved with Google Work. I did a couple uh rocking events and you know, racing only for the Green Beret Foundation. I just continued putting myself under heavier load. And then I started doing CrossFit. I judged several competitions across Florida. So I really got into that space. It just started compounding, right? To where I couldn't sleep at night. To roll over, I'm a side sleeper. So the roll from one side to the other, if you had a camera on me, you'd go, well, that looks bad. Yeah. You know, through four years of strength and conditioning, wearing a brown belt here in, in Texas, you know, I knew I was getting married and there was a baby on the way. I, what scared me was not being able to pick my child off the ground bending over because, you know, I, it was getting to a point where you can't, I can't even pick up. Well, I started looking into the alternatives and stem cells came up. There was a good podcast with Joe Rogan and Mel Gibson. Uh, a doctor out of Panama, he's the best doctor with dementia scenes in Panama. So I started looking at my chiropractor recommended MSC stem cell treatment, which MSC is the stem cells from the umbilical cord. And that's the beginning of life. But knowing I had these back problems, <clears throat> I went to a wellness center outside of Austin, Texas. There's a former Green Beret, 18 Delta guy. And, and he said, no, you're, you're toast. You know, don't put on another rucksack. At this point, right. So we got an MRI and he did stem cells, but he said, look, you know, what I could get in here versus what you're going to get out of the country, it's a totally different ballgame. They're going to be able to 
this particular place really took my MRIs. And when they put me down, you know, they put an imaging across my back and, and put the injections directly where I had disc issues. I had several compressed discs. Basically, I had disc issues L1 through L5. Yeah, I had a compressed disc, herniated disc, and I also had stenosis. How much was that? What do they charge for that? I paid 40 Yeah. But when I was down there, I said, you know, from all the years of fitness and jujitsu and all that, I did my knees, my elbow, and my shoulder. Because at that point, you just start with a few more thousand. You're not. It's, it's just, you're just watering the plants. Right, right. Those are quick shots. They'll take an imaging device and kind of, you know, first off, you go get MRI. You understand where the imaging is. And they do a big assessment. You know, I spent three plus months on an anti-inflammatory diet because what stem cells do is they go after the trunk in your body and repair it, right? It's like putting a lot of little workers to work at a construction site. You know, you got to pull you over the right area. But if your body is full of inflammation, the stem cells are going to go after the inflammation instead of the real problem. So the idea there is to get rid of the inflammation as much as you can. The injections were put, I had nine injections in my back, 13 total. So that included my knees, my elbow, and shoulder. Day one, they put 100 million stem cells in the eye. Once that IV goes in, those stem cells just start circulating all over your body looking, hey, where can we fix them? I, I felt amazed. You know, there is a recovery too, right? You're not, you know, I don't want anyone to think that I'm going to go get stool cell treatment and go the next day, I'm good to go. You know, you're going to have injections in parts of your body that you're not used to getting a needle. There's going to be some some time that, you know, some people act react to right away. But I would say the positive thing there though, Jeremiah, is one year later, we went back and did an MRI and did compare the MRI from one year ago to now. All the bulging discs, compressed discs were gone. There was fluid back in the herniated disc, and there's no more signs of symptoms. And I feel great. You know, I was working with the chiropractor at a physical therapy center, and she's like, you know, I don't, I don't ever had any kind of customer like you. I said, why? She looked at all this stuff you've done. You go and get stem cells. I don't even know anyone that's ever done that. And I said, what about? I said, you, you, here's the report. You read it, and you gain an interpretation from a medical standpoint. She said, it's unheard of that canal stenosis gets cured. You know, it's just, does it happen? And I said, okay, well, thank you. So I, I think the takeaway there is I went the extra mile in my health to ensure we're jet. I, I yeah. thought we jet. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is stem cells isn't for everybody. And I think that that's the underlining strategy is that no matter what rejection you're faced with, you got to like do the diligence to take it a step further. And this is actually, you know, such a good subject because a lot of times we go to the doctor with blind faith and we go there and we say, listen, you're a guy with a lab coat on. Tell me what's going on with me. And we expect them to deliver the message from God and tell us like, this is what you go do. But really, who knows that that doctor might have done well in school, but he might be an absolute idiot. You know what I mean? Like he, he or he could be just a very in the box type of thinker and he's not thinking creatively or maybe he even stopped. He gave up on his education after he got through school and he's been teaching you stuff from 20 years ago. And so I think that that is a beautiful Beautiful, beautiful message for everybody to understand is like whatever challenge you're faced with, like go the extra mile and find the solution outside of the single person. Take ownership of your own health, take ownership of your own fitness and stop relying upon others to fix it for you. Yeah. And and that's it. You know, I faced a lot of negativity and pushbacks from medical experts here and, less, and family and friends are like, why would you go to Medellin, Colombia? 
do you, you know, you know anything about the medical system there? And I says, well, you know, they've got the most advanced stem cell solutions right. in the world right now, and you're experts at fixing back. Yeah. So I'm looking for extraordinary results, man, and I'm getting ordinary answers over here. So I got to go to a place where it has extraordinary answers. Well, and anyone here listening can go ask any medical profession in the U.S. The U.S. medical society is, is, is trying to treat the symptom. Yeah. Diagnose, treat the system with pills or surgery. Yeah. I didn't put you on a plan so that they can keep having making money. It's a whole business model. Yeah. I didn't want surgery. I didn't want anyone cutting in my back. I had people tell me you're still going to do physical therapy or physical therapy would fix you. I had, you know, spinal surgeons say you should never go get stems. What are you thinking? You're going to go spend all this money and with no result. Well, they probably said the same thing when you decided to jump into entrepreneurship. They probably said the same thing when you were going to start off and do jujitsu. They probably said the same. You probably told the same thing to yourself when you decided to lose the weight. You're probably like, well, what, you know, what's the hell is the point? Well, maybe that was a little bit, but I think with your mentality, you probably eradicated that thought pretty quick. You basically started treating yourself again. Here we go. You know, Eric chipping away at building this supercomputer that he is he started working on his health and fitness and you ended up, you were at it. sounds like you were pretty out of shape prior to going into all that. You had excess weight and you lost 20 pounds in about four months is I think is what you told me. You're bounced back from all of it. Now you focus on discipline, consistency, basically just you're keeping the momentum train going on your recovery from, from all the surgeries and not the surgery, but the stem cell stuff that you did, right? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't want to throw that investment. You know, and over time... Went from being probably an ideal body weight height in this scenario to overeating, drinking too much, which started affecting, you know, relationships, family lives, um, even decisions to go tool versus, you know, have a dream. That started entering and I'm like, you know, this has got to stop. I hired a coach. I said, you know, I need someone to put a plan together for me. Even though I know how to put a plan together, my plans were failing, right? And this this can't. I knew about macros because I hired a coach tooled in Florida. When we got dialing in, but they wanted to look at Texas. I started doing what's called lazy macros. Oh, I've been weighing this food. I've been doing everything for six months. I can look at it with my eye and think this is right. But, you know, and then you start telling yourself, oh, I eat healthy, right? I shop at Whole Foods and all these places and I'm out the hour circumference of uh, the grocery store where all the good stuff is. But I was adding too much. The consumption is too high. Right. So I had to, I had to really step back and go, the system's broke. I broke in my own system. It's not an easy thing to digest. You know, you're like, you know, I screwed up. Let me go fix myself. But by doing that, yeah, I've lost 21 pounds, 20 pounds. It's fluctuating since June. Uh, my coach has, you know, held me to a certain level of accountability. I've changed up our fitness routine while we used to from CrossFit straight strength and conditioning and, um, totally different plan. And it worked well. Yeah, how's your energy levels now that you've, you're a little more chopped up? It's it's super high. You know, it's I can't believe. It. You know, I think there's a certain point if you're working with a coach or even if you're not, you're on a macro plan and maybe you're doing maintenance. A certain point, that's the tipping point. I call it in scale where a defined set of protein, fats, and carbohydrates really start accelerating you and how you think. And like I was telling you, you're super good. And it's like having an optimally tuned sports car because you're putting the right fuel mixture of, of everything. You know, I, I think going forward, the, you know, the idea is to, you know, be on a maintenance plan and so forth and dialing, understand what's optimal level of fitness and, and so forth, um, get back into rucking. 
I've been told I can go back to looking, which is great. I think at this point is help people understand that even if you've taken a nosedive or if you don't know where to start, there's there's places to go. There's people that I think it's important to learn from someone that's been there and been in the valleys and ditches and had some dirt thrown on them and left behind and what well, you know they were an afterthought to people and only pulled themselves out. You know, what you said too though is needs to be said again. And that's you said that you knew like you were doing lazy macros and you said that you you right you reached outside of yourself to get some help. And you had this belief system that you were eating healthy. And I see this all the time. I don't know how many people I talk to that will that are completely delusional. They think that they're eating healthy, that they're doing the right things, but you look at their body and you look at their level of fitness and it doesn't match what they're thinking. There is a huge disconnect between that. And I've, I mean, I've been guilty of the same shit. You know, that there's the old adage, a fish sees water last. We don't see what's right in front of us a lot of the times. And you got to pull yourself back. But here's the thing. If you're not in the, t- the best shape that you could think of, like ripped eight pack, if you're not in that level of shape, 10 to 12% body fat, you have room where you can improve. That's just the facts. And it's your belief system that's screwing you up. You think that you're eating healthy because you're not, you know, doing a cheat meal every single day. You think that you're eating healthy because when you go to Chipotle, you're ordering off, you're ordering the salad bowl or whatever it is. Like, but your belief system is screwing you over and it's fucking you over. And so what you did is you were smart enough to get out of your own way and get somebody to actually look at your life and say, hey, this is what we need to fix here, here, and here. And now you're teaching other people how to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and what I learned was I was under-consuming protein, yeah. consuming carbs and fats. And you just can't, you can't visualize it just by looking and understanding, you know, this is what I'm eating on a daily basis. But yeah, I, I think having someone hold me accountable, you know, where I had to reporting every day what I'm doing, I'm plugging, you know, various meals into it. You know, Jeremiah, I see it as a game. It, it's a game of food. And it's simple math. It's one plus one, and and it equates to grams, protein, and and so forth, fats and carbohydrates. But really understanding what you're consuming, and also knowing you got to pull back. Because if you don't pull back, you're going to keep adding. I just like the mindset between all of it because, like, broken, broken people, they try to do shit themselves all the time. Successful people do at all levels. They they will tweak on something themselves, but then they find their way to the expert. They get the help. They get the accountability, whether it's the stem cell treatment or um, whether it's, you know, in this area that we're talking about with macros. But, you know, you're working and tweaking on yourself, but then you get additional help. And I think a lot of people get stuck. Like, I'm thinking of the guy or the gal that I am working on my macros. I am working and being healthy and I am doing the right. No, you're not. You're actually doing it the lazy way because you're not getting professional expert help. And you're actually taking a shortcut because you're full of excuses of taking the extra mile. Like the extra mile is bigger. I just did a post about this on on Instagram. I said, your next level is going to require that you invest more time, money, and that you release yourself from your comfort. If you're not investing time, money, and your level of comfort, then you're going to stay at where you're at. So if you're staying comfortable getting help from the same people over and over and over again, and you're not improving, you're, you're, you're self-sabotaging and you don't even know it. I love this mindset shift that everybody should go seek out an expert and have them figure out what's going on underneath the hood of their car, underneath the, the hard drive of their supercomputer, you know? Right. Because right. You, you need that self-assessment from someone else, right? Because I was failing. 
And that wasn't, I'm not going to say that was easy to admit or difficult to, to admit, but, you know, I just had to take the, the quick drill of you don't know what you're doing right now because you got yourself into this position. Right. You've known what to do because you've done it before. So pull back and let someone else assess you, give you a plan that you can execute. Yes, I'm good at executing. I know that. You're right. You know, this is all I've done. Corporate America, this is how I moved around and, and, and been successful. I knew I needed to do something, so I had that fuel and the fire ready to go. Yeah. I just needed the plan. I think that, you know, I'm just thinking about the people that are going to connect with you after this. And whether somebody comes to you for fitness and nutrition, what they really need is your mindset, man. Like meeting with you on a regular basis would completely change the trajectory of somebody's life. Like I did another story about this today. I was like, the problem in your your guys' lives is that you have people that you're not listening to and you don't have the right perspective to make change. Like imagine if I was in your life every single week, imagine how you would feel to perform. Imagine the perspective changes that you would have. And, and if I just absorbed your thinking, I would become somebody that could tweak and modify my life across time in every aspect. And it would start with fitness and nutrition, and then it would probably affect all the other areas of my life, my career and everything. That's what I see with like getting close to you. Yeah, absolutely. That's where we would start in, you know, with anyone out there to send us and talk with me. Or if you hire right? But but you've got to get the basic discipline in to do some fitness and a better nutrition plan that's going to hold you accountable to doing a certain number of things every day regardless. And you know what I hear a lot is I don't or plugging all this information into an application or looking at some sort of software or tools to do. Well, how difficult was it to get yourself in the situation? Right. Going to take work to get out of it, but I've been there and done that. And, you know, I can help with the mindset because it's important that people have a blueprint of our system to operate against. Because, you know, we talked earlier to Paul about podcasts and little books that are out there. But if you don't go apply it or have someone pushing to apply what you're learning, you're just going to be absorbing information and it's going to fill up your art drive. I want to kind of get some practical steps for somebody to kind of get themselves together and start tinkering with their life, their health, their fitness, their mindset, maybe their career. And and just there's there's people out there that are looking for that 1%, right? So for somebody that wants a life upgrade, like that's what I'm really looking at this as. Like we're building, this was a man on fire who went through a whole life upgrade, right? Working on himself across time. What are some simple strategies that somebody can do to increase their quality of life and upgrade their life. Yeah. You know, I would start with what is your why? What's the win? What's the goal you're seeking? Has it been, you know, external feedback from family and friends? Is it, you know, you just went out of sync or, you know, have you you been telling yourself this, but you just don't know where to go? First off, I would say, other than hiring a coach and getting involved with, you know, someone like me or you, what's your daily operational discipline? Do you have that? Yeah, I love that. Do you wake up when you're not tired anymore? Do you just go for food right away? Do you go for a walk? What's your daily approach to life? And also have some time separated just for you. Don't wake up and put your clothes on and go to work. Don't wake up just to go attend, you know, some some family needs and this and that. Although that can happen date, it could be 1 a.m., right? But Wake up early enough with some discipline to reserve some time for me. 
I love that, man. I love that so much because personal time is like a personal workshop. You know, it's like you have this garage, like my dad used to tinker around in the garage all the time, building stuff and he used to rip out car motors and stuff like that. And I think that we could all do that with our personal lives. Wake up early, get out to the garage or whatever, it's your office, but it's a workshop and you go there and you start messing with your life. You start reflecting, you start assessing, you start modifying and it starts, that whole process starts with self-discipline. You got to get clear about what your daily disciplines are going to be, whether it's waking up early, whether it's training a certain way. And then from that foundation, you can start modifying things across time. I think that's a great strategy. Yeah, I don't know. In corporate America, I used to say, I'm going to wake up early for myself, have coffee, maybe do some research on the computer from stuff, stuff I'm interested in. I'd call it getting ahead of them. Yeah. Who I work right? Yeah. I don't want anyone controlling. Having that reservation time for yourself, whether it's early morning or evening, you've got to do it because if you're constantly pushed by everyone else, you're spun out in so many different directions, where's the time to do some self-improvement? It's almost not there. And then that's where the excuses creep in. I don't have yeah. Well, everybody has the same 24 hours. Sometimes it's it, when my alarm clock goes off at 4.30 a.m. It's, it's not every day that I'm all excited about it. I, you know, you know what makes me feel good is to beat the alarm clock. I like that too. Yeah, when I do that, and also it's not disturbing the chain. But if I do that, I'm one even better. Yeah. Bro, there's nothing better than beating the sun up. Like that's my principle. That's my rule of life. Like I've always gotten up. Like I got to get up before the sun before it even shows its face. Like not today, motherfucker. I'm beating you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes that's whatever crazy hours. Sometimes it's not so crazy, and it's right before the sun comes up. But the days where I have not gotten up before the sun, I feel reactive. I feel stressed. I feel impatient. I feel anxious. I think everybody feels like that, man. So I think that's a great. Great starting point for everybody is focus on your daily disciplines, go to your personal workshop, work on yourself, start tweaking and modifying and upgrade your life across time. And, and through that, you'll find different strategies to improve your quality of life, whether it's fitness, you'll find different ways to improve your meals. You, you know, you'll find you probably find stuff like we're talking about now, um, coaching and things like that that can help a person out. You'll start learning more about life and not just your work and your family, right? Like that's really what we want. We want to upgrade our life. And then uh, through that, everything else will improve as well. Yeah. Like you said, use the time to learn. Maybe I want to hire a coach that is really good at strength and conditioning or I want to do more jujitsu or in some place. I use that time to go analyze what I'm, I'm approaching, right? And, and see where I can learn about that particular person or help me understand, is this the right course for me? And then that way, when I'm ready to pull the trigger and make an investment, because by the way, there's no better investment than you. I get a lot of ROI with my investments. The stock never goes down. No matter what, even if I get a shitty investment, I still get the knowledge from that shitty investment. You know, I, I retain it. It's the only investment that you can make where the stock doesn't go down. Like it doesn't until the day you die, right? Like then it's, then it's gone and maybe you pass that knowledge on to somebody else and it actually keeps going. Then it actually doesn't go down. It keeps going up and through family and generational knowledge. Really good point there, dude. I'd love to keep chopping it up and keep rocking and rolling. I think that, I think this is a good, good ending point because we've really unpacked how to think about life and how to think about upgrading it, you know? And I think we brought somebody in, like you worked on super computers but like you said you unpack how to upgrade yourself as a supercomputer and i think more people need that message so i'm i'm so glad that we got a chance to do this today for people that want to find you maybe they want to connect with you and talk more about your mindset and 
maybe bounce some ideas off of you. Uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Is it Instagram or social media or what do you have? Instagram, Eric L. Scott on Instagram, old guy's dad, but just quick search for Eric L. Scott and uh, send me a DM. Yeah, let's talk and, and I'm straightforward. You know, I'm here to help. A good four-letter that I learned from one of my little tours a long time ago is how can I help? Yeah, if you guys missed that, that's as simple as he said. You go to Instagram, you type in Eric, E-R-I-K-L, like Lima, and then Scott, S-C-O-T-T. And if that's his Instagram handle, you'll see Energized Dad in his bio. And um, he's building out his personal brand, and he's really tackling this entrepreneurial space head on. He's improving everybody around him. I know he's already gotten results with people that he's worked with professionally, um, but you guys can learn more about him on his page. And, and this is a great opportunity to meet an up-and-coming riser, somebody that's going to be not just he's already scaled and climbed the levels in his corporate environment. Now he's doing it in entrepreneurship. So you guys go give him a follow over there, reach out to him, tell him you came from Be the Leader, and really pick his brain on how to make your life better. I want you guys, I want to encourage you guys to do that today. I appreciate it, Jeremiah. Thanks for your time. Anything else you'd like to tell the audience, the viewer, any final messages before we close up, dude? You know, what I've tried to share over the past four to five months is my story on Instagram, right? When you go to Instagram, you're not going to see some chopped up dolly guy right. I started documenting from where I started, right? In this macro, right? And and I'm showing transformation, showing what's possible. You know, I'm now at a point where, look, I can do what I did with me and the coach that I work with or anybody else. I think at the end of the day, if you don't work with anyone in particular that we're talking about here, myself, take the recognition that something needs to be done. Oh, that's a powerful message, man. And I would actually, and I mean, all of you guys can learn. I'm I'm following Eric and, and I'm going to learn a ton from him about tweaking and modifying my life. You guys that are only looking for the health and fitness, he has so much to offer. But what I'm saying is that Eric's a great guy to follow and connect with because he's on the path. And I, it was always very frustrating for me when I was starting out in life, trying to improve something, whether it was my health, my fitness, my relationships, my money, whatever. And everybody was so far ahead of me that I didn't understand what the hell they were talking about. Like you could only get the highest level information. It was like, this guy, I can't relate to this guy. This guy is like a billionaire. He, he's teaching me about business, but I can't apply any of that shit to where I'm at currently. Yeah. And so Eric's trajectory right now is very much attainable for all of us. And he's, he's going to keep crushing it. So he's somebody that not only can you learn from, but you could end up joining his pack and moving with him in that direction. And all of a sudden you have this relationship that compounds across time. I think you just have so much to offer. And I'm really glad you came on, my man. Well, I appreciate it. And, and like you added on there, you know, I have group-based coaching, I have one-to-one coaching, and, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be all about fitness and, and nutrition. You know, there's mindset development, no matter where you're at in life and your career that, that we can work on, you know, it's, it's kind of just analyzing where you're at and where we need to go. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming in. Guys, gals, ladies and gentlemen, re-listen to this again for, for the pick the mind of somebody that has that is an expert at tweaking and modifying his life across time. You know, learn it from somebody that has actually done it and, and follow him on Instagram. Reach out to him and say what's up. Let him know that you came from Be the Leader and Jeremiah Sullivan and build that relationship. It's one more that you can have in your back pocket. Eric, thank you once again, guys, gals. Until next time. 
be a leader. I need some motivation. Motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. Uh, dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Trying myself and I yell at the wall. Back in the run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm chameleon. I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. To sum it up, I spill my guts. Sometimes I felt as if I wasn't good enough. But I prevailed if you 